This is a practice for overcoming resistance to meditation. And I am going to go ahead and say right here at the beginning of our practice that as I am recording this, I'm outside. I'm in a forest. It's a lovely day. I'm near a river. Right? All of these things seem like they would be really ideal conditions um, for meditation practice. Oh, peaceful, peaceful place, nice warm day. Um, but you might notice as I'm recording that you can hear the wind blowing. Right? So you might notice a little bit of your own irritation right off the bat. Like, oh, it would be perfect if it weren't for, for that wind that I could hear um, going through the, the earpiece as she's recording. If it were only for that, it would be a great meditation. Right? Or you might hear a bird. Right? You might hear a bird start singing. Or you might hear my feet crunch every once in a while on, um, on some pine cones. And all of these um, are little bits of sensory information that come in um, that we can, you know, we can use in a number of different ways. We can either use them um, as things that pull us out of our experience or as um, a reminder to stay with and deepen into this experience. Right? We, can, we can see how easy it is to, um, to find a reason to not meditate, right? It's just not quite right. So if we're looking um, for perfect, we might not find it. But the wonderful thing about really never being able to find the perfect place or time to meditate, uh, perfect circumstance, is that that makes pretty much every time um, a perfect opportunity to, to do this practice. So wherever you are right now, you can begin just by taking your seat, which may look like sitting down, right? but it may also look like standing up. You might be inside, you might be outside. You might want to, to lie down right? so you can feel more of the back of your body on the earth. Right? Or um, you could certainly do this while you're walking. Right? There are four different, um, we could say, seats. Right, what are considered um, seats for our meditation practice, and and they're not ranked in any sort of hierarchy. But sometimes it's difficult to choose which one you're going to do, and it becomes a thing right out of the gate. Like, oh, sitting, oh, not quite right. Maybe I should be standing. Maybe I should be walking. Oh, no, I'm. T- I got to lay down. Right. So part of the beginning of your practice when we say taking your seat, is to make a choice. You make the choice um, to do the practice by taking the seat that you choose and then being willing to, um, to stand by your choice and, in essence, to let go of all of the other options, not forever, but just for now. And just seeing in these first few moments of your practice, what that feels like. And if you've ever tried to meditate before, and probably if you're listening to this talk right now, um, you notice that, that right off the bat, some resistance comes up. Right? Either wanting a different experience or going somewhere else in the mind 
there's so much to notice, it seems, when we begin to um, quiet our minds and focus. So this first, we could say, factor of, um, of our practice of, of awakening, of overcoming our resistance, is the practice of mindfulness. You can choose um, something simple as the object for your mindfulness. Again, it's a simple choice with a lot of options. Just narrowing it down to one. Often we choose the breath because it's pretty easy to find. It's just right there. We don't have to do anything to make it happen. And when we lose our way, it's still there, and we can connect back in with it pretty readily. You might also choose something like sound. Or touch. Just the feeling, the sensation of sitting. Of your body breathing. And as you are being with and practicing to stay with for longer and longer little chunks of time, it is absolutely part of the practice to feel everything else continue to come up. And even to feel all of the... um, the stuff around it. If you're trying to do a good job of meditating, what might be coming up is um, this judgment of like, oh, this shouldn't be happening. I need to get rid of these thoughts. I need to, ah, the experience isn't quite right. This is, doubt creeps in very quickly based on just little unexpected um, moments. Right, for me, the wind. Right, or the really loud bird. Right, and all of a sudden, um, we find ourselves pushing against the experience of what is happening. Right. When really what we're trying to do is just deepen our attention to what is happening. Just keep placing the mind. We notice that it has wandered off. We just bring it back again. Slowly, this practice of the 
There it is. And even through whatever blows through your mind, you can still hold your seat, not in a rigid way, but in a way that, you know, if you were a tree, like one of the, like some of the trees I'm looking at right now in the wind, the ones that are most successful are the ones that actually kind of move and bend with the wind, right? They, um, they don't deny its presence, right? They, um, they learn how to keep their seats, right, or their roots flexible. And we can deepen this, um, you know, as, as we begin to really let everything else drop and be with our experience, um, a sense of curiosity might arise, right? Or a sense of interest, or at least that's what we're cultivating when we're practicing, is being interested in our experience. What's it like right now? And it's okay if it's not perfect. And again, we're not going for perfect. We are um, going for truth. And in this way, it's said that our practice um, starts to overcome a little bit of aversion right, to experience, right? And also overcomes um, an attachment to things being a certain way. Right? It allows us to just kind of nakedly be with our experience and still um, maintain our, our focus. We can be with it and stay with it because we're curious, interested. And you might have to romance yourself a little bit on this one. Like, mm, what does a breath feel like? And it might have to get um, quite um, microscopic for a few moments. And it doesn't have to be every single breath. It might be just every once in a while. And you remember, oh, yeah. I was going to focus on breathing. Um, there is an exploration of the sensation of the breath moving through the nostrils. As we practice in this way, right, we get a little bit of, um, of momentum going. There's um, almost an, an energy that begins to carry us right? because we keep placing our mind, being curious about our experience. Not letting ourselves get pulled off by, oh, if only I had a coat, or if only it wasn't so sunny, or if only, you know, all of those things come up, but they become, um, the voices become a bit quieter, right? The, um, the reasons to stop doing what we're doing become less compelling um, as we build this momentum of placing and staying with and curious. 
the same way that you might um, get a momentum going when you're running or biking or paddling or any other sort of um, physical activity. There's a point um, where the energy overcomes the resistance. And then the practice itself starts to carry us, right? We could call this moment, um, it's very dramatic, sometimes it's called a moment of rapture. Which is simply that um, crossing over from holding your seat to being held by your seat. moment um, there is enough there might even be a sense that there is more than enough Feel this um, ability to be with and stay with and be curious. To stay in our seats long enough for that to build a momentum. When we're interested and there's a momentum, it becomes easier to practice. It may not become easy but there is maybe more of a sense of of the ability to relax, right? Which you might just translate as noticing if there's a part of you that is still holding tension, right? Popular places are the jaw, the shoulders, or the hips. It might be in the way that you're holding your hands. Depending on the quality of the mind that you started with when you were working in your practice here, when you came into your seat, you probably have to do a little bit of um, energy balancing at this point between that energy, right, and that attention required to practice and, um, and that sense of ease. Sometimes we call it sukha. We don't want to become so relaxed that we fall asleep. 
don't want to be so hypervigilant um, that we miss out on the quality of actually opening up. Because it's that ease that allows us to open to more of our experience and interestingly enough, begins to um, deepen our concentration. And at this stage, the concentration might feel different than that initial um, kind of job of placing the attention and noticing when you wander off and closely coming back, right? It might... um, Just really have a quality of being able to be with the totality of the experience, with the object, right? That sort of primary object of your mindfulness or your attention. But also kind of widening out the scope so you can more wholeheartedly be with with all of the other things going on without them being distractions. There is wind, there are birds, there's crunching under the feet if you're walking. Maybe there are little aches in the body or even persistent uh, thought patterns that you notice keep coming up. They... um, They don't compel you enough to pull you out. They also don't bother you enough to push them out either. And all of these things um, lead us into a state of what we would call um, relaxed awareness or balanced sensitivity. The word we often use for it is equanimity. Equanimity is... um, is one of the wise, um, wise resting places for the heart and the mind. And equanimity doesn't mean that everything is um, is bland. Right? It's an acceptance, but not um, but not a resignation. Like, uh, I give up, whatever. You know, it is. Um, again, it's a it's a congruence. With your experience, it's a true um, understanding of this is what it's like right now. Being able to um, live and breathe into that fully, feeling whatever comes up, whatever 
resistance or whatever sort of, if it's lovely, it might be um, a sense of like, I just want to hold on to this. It might be a dullness. Whatever it is that is coming up, we're not um, getting hooked by it. seeing things as they are, right? Resting with um, the understanding that when we get up out of our seat, we can act and we we will have to act, right? Even not acting is an action, but in this moment, we are um, practicing seeing clearly, right? Our clear seeing. Say we're resting in um, our mind's own natural wisdom. And we can just rest here for a bit. sitting in your own ability, your mind's own ability, when you harness its power, right, much like you might harness the wind or the kite, something like that, um, that you can can ride the energy of your mind rather than getting blown around by it. Seat may begin to feel a bit like those trees that sway in the breeze. The steadiness that comes from um, flexibility. And the ease of flexibility that comes from staying with what you're doing, staying with your experience. As we're rounding out our practice, just taking these last few moments to acknowledge yourself 
for actually overcoming your resistance to practice and practicing, regardless of how you think it went. It was a good one, it was a bad one, it was what I, you know, letting go of that and just kind of getting that little bit of an inner smile. I did it. Yes! And um, just as a way of planting the seed for our future meditation sessions, right, we can first take in that that sense of accomplishment and benefit and really drink it in for ourselves. And then often we um, will offer a dedication of the practice towards um, the well-being of others, or it may just even be um, towards the deepening of practice in general, right, which is what this dedication is. This one is actually often an opening for practice, but it's feeling right in this moment to put it at the end. It's a traditional blessing called the Four Blessings of Gampupa. It's really simple. So if you want to place your hands in a way that feels um, organic to you, might be on your heart, your thighs, by your sides. It has the phrase, grant your blessing. Right. And in this instance, we're not asking some sort of higher being, right, necessarily to bless us, but rather we could say, um, we could think of it as sort of invoking that uh, wisdom quality of our own minds over and over again. It goes like this, grant your blessings so that my mind may be one with the Dharma right, or the truth of my experience as I see it directly in this moment with clear seeing. Grant your blessings so that my mind may be one with the Dharma. Grant your blessings so that the Dharma may progress along the path. Grant your blessings so that the path may clarify confusion. Grant your blessings so that confusion may dawn as wisdom. Oh, my home, thank you so much for practicing with me.